This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, May 2nd, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. The big picture on federal spending isn't pretty. Tax cuts met with spending hikes mean unprecedented deficits approaching 5% of GDP. So how does this end? The Cato Institute's Ryan Bourne comments on our massive and growing fiscal imbalance and what can be done about it. The CBO has uh, provided uh, a, a reasonable term outlook, near and, and longer term outlook for spending and uh, revenues. What were your big takeaways? Well, this is a really interesting publication by the CBO. They do it every year. And what they do is they adjust their growth forecasts, try and figure out the trends in the economy and look at um, the legislation on the books to try to project what's going to happen to spending, revenues, debt and deficit over the coming decade. And the big takeaway is that the combination of recent policy change, the tax cut bill, the cap busting omnibus spending bill, coupled with the long-term pressures that we've got in terms of uh, spending on entitlement uh, and, and the growth of that due to an ageing population. The combination of those two things really means over the next decade, the fiscal outlook is pretty dire. Uh, deficits are projected now to increase to over 5% of GDP over the next five years. That's completely unprecedented uh, for a long period of, of peacetime and, and strong economic growth. And as a result, over the decade as a whole, the debt-to-GDP ratio, which really is the key measure of long-term fiscal sustainability, that debt-to-GDP ratio is going to increase to around 96% of GDP. So we're talking about the highest level we've seen in terms of the debt since the Second World War. So we're just talking about, uh, as, a, as a fraction of GDP, the difference between what comes in and what goes out will push 5% of GDP. Yeah, that's right. And that's going up from around 3.5% of GDP in the last year. So as a deliberate act of policy, we're seeing an increase in that borrowing as a proportion of the total size uh, of the economy. And then as a result, even when some of those policy changes drop out, so the CBO actually assumes that lots of the income tax provisions of the, the recent tax cut bill drops out in 2025, they presume that after the uh, the spending bill, we go back to the original trend line in spending. Even after that, because of the pressures that we see on spending on entitlements, uh, that deficit will average just below 5% of GDP every year across the next decade. And that's why you see such a big increase in the overall debt uh, to GDP ratio. And what that means in nominal terms, by the way, is from, 2020, uh, from 2020 onwards, trillion dollar plus deficits every year as far as the eye can see. And in fairness, we shouldn't assume that uh, tax cuts uh, that have uh, been passed recently, that of course, m most of them do expire. We shouldn't assume that. No, that's right. Well, the, the CBO is mandated uh, by law to, to, to model current legislation. Uh, actually, at the end of the publication, they run an, what they call an alternative fiscal scenario, which some might say is a more believable fiscal scenario, where they assume that the tax cuts are maintained throughout the whole period. So you get the full policy change that we saw in the recent law and that the the, the cap-busting omnibus spending bill becomes the new baseline. Now, when they assume that, the deficit actually rises by the end of the decade 
to 7.1% of GDP. Extraordinarily high level. Just the de- this is, again, this is just the deficit. the deficit. This is just not federal spending, which is now, what, 23% of GDP? Projected to go up to, yeah, uh, just over 23% of GDP by the end of the decade. But the deficit, so the annual difference between spending and revenues, up to over 7% of GDP, a level you only usually see um, you know, after a major recession. And as a result, on that on that scenario, assuming current policy rather than current law, debt goes over 100% of GDP. And this isn't even taking into consideration the really long-term pressures that we'll see as a, as a result of an ageing population. So you look across um, three decades, for example, even before all these recent changes, the CBO was saying by 2047, we'd see debt to GDP uh, over 150% of GDP. Now on this, it could well be over 200% of GDP. You're talking about a Japan scenario. Okay, so something that that troubles me is that, you know, for uh, many years we've been paying more than $200 billion a year just in service on the debt that uh, the United States has contracted. And I think it has to be really reasonable under some alternative scenario, whether or not the CBO is responsible for it, to look at what if our borrowing costs increased by a point or two points? Yeah, well, the, the CBO is assuming that borrowing costs are going to rise, both as a result of okay. the, the the more borrowing and the and the somewhat faster economic growth in, in the near term. So actually, if you look at the figures, um, if you look at spending, spending on debt interest is projected to pretty much double as a proportion of the economy over the next decade. Um, and just to put that into context, what that means is by 2028, there'll be more spending on servicing the debt interest than on defence spending. And we can argue about what the correct level of defence spending could be, uh, but clearly that's a big opportunity cost. And that's one of the big effects of having a very, very high debt level, is that you get a big opportunity cost. You're servicing lots of the debt, and obviously that's that's money that you're taking out of uh, the economy. That's the money that you're taking away from private citizens. But also, you know, even if you're a, a liberal, that's money that could perhaps be being spent on other more productive activities. Uh The United States has the reserve currency of the world. None of the countries who loan us money are are going to to pull back. They're going to keep borrowing as long as we look like we have a strong economy. So clearly, I'm paraphrasing some other people, clearly the solution here is to set a course for a pro-growth policy so that we can begin to, with growth, get out of this situation. Well, I think growth is incredibly important. And one of the criticisms of the CBO analysis that supply-siders would make is that they understate what the impact of the tax cuts will be um, on the underlying growth rate. And, you know, that may well be the case. The actual um, outcomes may not be as bad as this, even if current policy um, is is maintained. Uh, That said, a lot of these big long-term drivers are real demands on things like healthcare costs, um, and and social security, and and a lot of that stuff is kind of indexed to inflation or um, a, a real demands, and and not demands that are going to be uh, reduced substantially as a as a result of growth. So yeah, growth could growth could improve that long term trend and mean that the the debt to GDP ratio doesn't rise as fast as perhaps uh, we we're expecting. 
but it can't do all of the donkey work. We're going to have to have some reforms of these entitlement programs. And I think all economists, pretty much, if they're honest about it, are agreed on that. I know the IGM uh, survey of uh, economists at Chicago has asked questions on this. And I think all agree that in the in the longer term, you do need those reforms to entitlement. But the trajectory of spending, of debt, of the gap in spending and revenue... Uh, those are all driving the United States toward increased fragility. Yeah, I think that's right. Economists differ as to what the long-term consequences of this um, could be. Um, a group of Hoover Institution economists wrote for the Washington Post last week and talked about their concern that this could lead to a kind of debt earthquake that you never really know when borrowers are going to, uh, uh, lenders are going to lose faith in America's uh, ability to pay back its debts. And you could see a scenario, and some countries have seen a scenario, where uh, debt interest costs, well, uh, uh, debt interest, well, interest rates spike uh, substantially. And then you have to engage in very, very rapid deficit reduction, uh, which can be very painful and damaging to the economy in the short term in order to get your budget under control. Now, an alternative scenario, and this is something that the Dallas Fed wrote an interesting paper on, is that if you have a scenario with high debt levels already and um, people foresee a trajectory of increasing debt over the long term, over the coming decades, actually that ha- can have a consequence of slowing economic growth. You kind of get this vicious cycle where higher debt results in lower growth, which results in higher debt. Um, and and over the long term... Um, Growth rates, even if they even if they fall by just half a percent of GDP each year, that has big consequences for people's living standards. So, I, I think that economists would disagree on what the on what the outcome of all this could be. What they wouldn't um, disagree on, I think, is that all of the consequences in macroeconomic terms are negative. It's either increased fragility. You know, if you get hit by a shock, you've got less room to actually um, manage it, deal with it. It could be a debt earthquake of the type the Hoover Institution economists talked about, or it could just be slower economic growth. Yeah, and when you say debt earthquake, you're, uh, you, I assume you're referring to sort of a cascading effect of uh, maybe one large country that holds a lot of U.S. debt deciding, you know what, we're not going to buy as much this year, and other countries deciding we're also going to do that. Well, I think people just take it for granted that um, I, I, I think a lot of, well, let me put it this way. Um, the IMF released um, a paper yesterday which looked at um, advanced economies' plans in terms of what they were, what was going to happen with debt GDP uh, based on their fiscal plans over the next five years. Uh, the US was the only country that they modelled where they suggested that debt to GDP would increase over the next five years. Uh, Most other countries are taking efforts to try and uh, repair the roof while the sun is shining, whilst um, the growth outlook is is relatively fine. You can never tell when um, lenders are going to kind of lose faith um, in your ability to repay. But what we do know is if the US government continues year after year um, to, to worsen the baseline and do nothing to reform entitlements, that risk increases uh, significantly. It would be foolish of me to kind of project when that might happen or the extent to which um, that would result in interest rates spiking rapidly. But clearly it's a risk that you play with the longer that you, you go down this path. 
Ryan Bourne occupies the R. Evan Scharf Chair for the Public Understanding of Economics at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 